0: So five years ago, today exactly, I found myself in a city called Burgos in the middle of Spain. Um, My boss had kindly given me a sabbatical uh, season, so I had 10 weeks just to rest and recuperate, and I chose to spend the majority of the time doing a walking pilgrimage, that starts in the Pyrenees Mountains in France and goes 900 kilometers across the hills and plains of Spain to the Atlantic Ocean on the west coast of Spain. 900 kilometers took me about 35 days to do it, walking just about 25 kilometers every day. Definitely my favorite trip that I've ever had the privilege of taking, and if you need some time to get away and to think, if you've got a big life decision, one of the best places to spend it. But it was my, during my time walking this trail that I actually started to understand physical thirst. Thirst. I'm sure you guys have all heard these stats on how much water you're supposed to be drinking. Is it eight cups or two liters? And then, like, the next week, it goes to three liters. Then some people are like, oh, but you got to be careful about overhydrating," And the numbers change. But it was during this trip, it was actually this bottle that came with me on the trip as well. But it's where I started to actually go... I actually need to drink the proper amount of water. So think about this: nine hundred kilometers. There's simply no substitute for water on this trip. Imagine if it had just been like oh, I'm just gonna fuel it with Mountain Dew and Coca-Cola. It would have been, it would have been <laughs> miserable. And my system just would have broke. Um, Some of you are like, I could easily do it just on coffee the whole time. Uh, You'd also probably encounter some issues. An awful one that I thought of, too, is what if you just had milk, like four liters of milk every day? It would be the messiest. Nobody would ever want to walk the trail again after... or only alcohol, you would make it three days. That'd be it. So without actual water, and not mixed with iced tea crystals or something else, but without actual water, we actually, our system begins to break down. We can have some other things, right? People will have a coffee in the morning, but... If we're not actually having water, our system isn't working how it's designed to work. And it was during this trip that I realized that actually I had probably lived most of my life to that point at least moderately dehydrated. You hear the stats? Oh, I should be drinking more water. But how many people here, if you're honest, would say, yeah, I drink definitely enough water every day? Okay, yeah, so 15% of people maybe. But hydration is incredibly important. It's a physical need that we have, and there's really no substitute for water. So the question this morning for us is, is simply, is anyone here actually thirsty? Now, you might be here, and physically, you're understanding this thirsty idea because we have such an easier time understanding what it means to be physically thirsty. But we also have a spiritual thirst on the inside of us. So the physical thing of thirst, you're like, I'm feeling parched. My tongue seems like it's sticking to the top of my mouth. I feel sluggish and like my body is just like a sponge that's been wrung out. You get that weird, white, crusty stuff at the side of the mouth. It's gross. I don't like talking to people when they have that. Side of the mouth. You can't even look at them in the eye. You're just kind of looking at that like, has nobody told you that there's something? Should I help you? But we understand some of these things of physical thirst, right? That makes sense. But in the same way, we have a thirst on the inside that we might not be able to describe accurately. It can be a need that Sometimes you can put a name on it. Sometimes it's just this feeling. Sometimes there's just something in you that feels like emptier, that there's some part missing. Or sometimes you just have this sense of like a, just some discontentment that, ah, I don't know what it is, but I have a sense that I guess I'm thirsty. So you hear it in the language that people use, right? So... In simple things, people will go, they're having a bad day, oh, I need a coffee. Let's just go for a coffee break. Or, I need a cigarette, people would say. I need a drink, I just need a vacation. Then there's some things where it comes out in more important areas. If only I could find that right person for me. If only I had kids. I wish I had more money. I wish I had a newer blank. Things that are important, things that matter, but we think, man, if I could just get those things, maybe I could quench this feeling that I don't quite even understand. Also comes up in deeper things. I want, I want to feel fulfilled on the inside. I want to feel complete and whole Wish I had that, that big picture. Why am I here? What's that vision for my life? Or maybe you're here and you just think, if I wasn't dealing with all of these physical things in my body, I think this need would be mad. And you're just going, I just need, I need healing somehow. Some way. So listen you might identify with that and be encouraged because you're not alone. And it's really nothing new. All throughout Scripture, you find people in the exact same spot. People that were like, God, I just want to quit. I want to give up. And you also find this imagery of, of thirst. In Psalm 42... David writes about it where he says, God, there's a longing in me that's the same as as a deer that's running and longs for water. You read about it in, in Psalm 143, verse 6, where the writer puts pen to paper saying, I thirst for you as parched land thirsts for rain. So you know that classic drought picture where all the dirt is kind of folded up and it's all cracked ground, and then rain begins to hit, and it transforms. That's that picture. So parched, so dry that stuff's just cracking. In Haggai chapter 1, verse 6, God speaks over his people, and he says, you've planted much but harvested little. You eat, but you're not satisfied. You drink, but you are still thirsty. Try everything. Nothing seems to work. And it's into this context of Scripture that we hear these words of Jesus. Anyone who thirsts may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the Scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. Now, when we start studying Scripture, there's uh, one principle called the law of first mention. So if you want to know about something in Scripture, you have to look at, actually the entirety of the bible cults get started because they look at one verse and go this is what it is and then they start believing just that without actually consulting all of scripture so if you're looking at a topic like healing or finances and giving and all of these you have to look at the completeness of the bible now within that study there's a principle called the law of first mention which means when you're studying a specific topic, you go to the very beginning where it's first mentioned. Well-named law, right? So in this case, there's a lot of imagery around this idea that Jesus brings up of living water. But the first time we actually find it specifically mentioned is in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13. Jeremiah was a prophet to the people of Israel. And this is the word that he was sharing on God's behalf with his people. And it says this. For my people have done two evil things. They have abandoned me, the fountain of living water. And they have dug for themselves cracked cisterns, that can hold no water at all. So when we start to look, if you can put up a slide with both of those on there, when we start to compare John 7 with Jeremiah 2, there's some interesting things that we begin to see parallel between these two. Jesus referred to the Holy Spirit in John chapter 7 as living water. Now, God refers to himself in Jeremiah 2 as the fountain of living water. Second thing we notice in John 7, Jesus invites those who are thirsty to come to him. And in Jeremiah chapter 2... It says that the people have rejected or abandoned God. It's just starting to see this interesting contrast. Jesus is his source. God is his source. The Holy Spirit is his source. There's an invitation to come to him, but people have rejected that invitation. In, Jesus declares in John 7 that these rivers of living water will flow out from our hearts. And in Jeremiah, what you find is that the people who've rejected the fountain of God have decided instead to dig and construct cisterns for themselves. Now, how many people, cisterns, a common word that you're using every day at work? The pastor's like, yep, I use cisterns every day. Between you and me, I haven't heard it in weeks. It's not a common term, but the picture that it paints is good. So here's what it was. Uh, The Israelites were living in a desert area, and what they would do is they would hew out of rock huge, almost jars, containers. They were designed to catch rainwater, but they were also just designed to catch dew or really any source of moisture that they could possibly get out of an arid desert climate. So the picture is really, there's a fountain right here with unlimited, life-giving water that people are desperate for in a desert. And the Israelites go, I'm going to turn this tap off. Instead, over here, I'm going to put incredible effort into creating a water source for myself to try and collect rainwater and dew in a desert. On top of that, it's cracked. So the little tiny amount that they were hoping to collect would have just leaked out of this cistern. That's the picture that's being painted in this verse in Jeremiah. Now, does this sound familiar, maybe, to your life or the culture that we live in, where instead of receiving an offer from God of life-giving water, we'll try everything we possibly can to do it all without him. I don't need you. I've got this. I'm still coming up empty. Now, the thing is, we we went through a list of of things that people want, looking for the right partner, kids, wholeness, health. All of these are good things. But if we're missing actual life-giving water that's vital to our system in the spiritual, just like this water is vital to our system in the physical, we can have all the coffee and milk and soda pop, and alcohol and whatever else we want, and we're still coming up empty. Until we tap into this source, all of these other things, we're still going to be left with the little crusts. We don't like those. So, listen, what do we do here? we come back to the words of Jesus in John chapter 7. Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. So there's three kind of key phrases that we're just going to take a few minutes to go through this morning. The first one is this Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone, anyone, anyone. So, the context of when this happens, Jesus stands up at the peak of this giant festival. It's a week long festival with food, and it's a giant party. So this isn't in church, and Jesus quietly pulls three people over and says, hey, you three right here, are you guys thirsty? Because you guys have reached the standard where you can come and drink. It's the equivalent of him standing up in the middle of the stampede, the final Friday night or Saturday night, right outside of Nashville North, and going... Anyone that's thirsty may come and drink, and that's what he meant. It's not some VIP list. It's not some hoops that you have to jump through or religious protocols that you actually have to get through. The only requirement is that you're thirsty, period. It says anyone, anyone who is thirsty. So we set up all of these things where we go, well, I can't come to God because you know what I did over here. I've got this history over here. And Jesus is saying, listen, yeah, are you thirsty? Period. Period. You can come. Think about the stampede. Think about it. All of those people. There's not some requirement. It's not just all of the church people. It's anyone can come. Anyone can come. And if you look through scripture, you think about the people that came to Jesus. There were some that came to him really puffed up. Rich young ruler. I've done everything, I've followed all of the commandments. And Jesus says, hey, sell everything that you have, give it to the poor, and come and follow me. And this guy goes, I can't do that. He was the guy that had hit all of the religious protocols. Who did Jesus welcome? People that came and said, I've lost everything. I'm broke and I'm a mess. A lady washes Jesus' feet with her tears and wipes them with her hair. There's a lady who's caught in the very act of adultery, thrown at his feet. Does he go, no, this isn't for you? No, he protects her and covers her and says, this is for you. It's always these people that come with humility and they just say, listen, I'm thirsty. And Jesus always made sure that they left full and quenched of that thirst. Now, it's interesting, right? Oftentimes with, with God, uh, people will pray prayers when there's a desperate situation. Life's bottoming out. God, I need you right now. That's the equivalent of praying when the ground's already cracked and parched and blistered, you're already dehydrated so far that you'll cry out, this cistern isn't working, I need that life-giving water. Desperation will usually drive people towards God. There's that old quote from a world war that said, there's no atheists in a foxhole, where when bombs are going off and bullets are whizzing by your head, you're going to pray. Pray. But what I love is that we don't have to wait for that spot. He says, there's a fountain right here. It's flowing forever. So we don't have to wait until we're bottoming out to turn to God. That means anyone can come at any time. And please don't wait until you've hit rock bottom. The next thing that we see uh, Jesus say here, is anyone who believes in me may come and drink. Now, we read a little further on, verse 39. It tells us that the living water that Jesus was speaking of was an actual H2O. It was the Holy Spirit. And he said the Holy Spirit is going to be like a river that flows out from the in side of you. Now, keep in mind, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, this is the same Holy Spirit that you read about in the first chapter of Genesis at the very beginning of the Bible. When the earth was void and hadn't even been created yet, it says the Spirit hovered over the waters. This is the same Holy Spirit that saw creation happen and trees spring and animals It's the same Holy Spirit that you read about through the Old Testament that empowered God's people to do incredible works, saw miracles happen, and people set free from captivity. This is the same Holy Spirit that rested upon Jesus at his baptism and empowered him through his ministry. It's the same Holy Spirit that was poured out in Acts chapter 2 on all people who believed. It's that same Holy Spirit that's been moving and active in the church up to and including today. Healing didn't stop when Jesus uh, went back up to heaven. He actually gave us this Holy Spirit to be with us and not just be around us, but actually to be in us, a river of living water on the inside. So very simply, uh, This isn't a trick question. For whatever reason, when preachers ask questions, people are always like, I don't want to answer. I feel like I'm going to get trapped into something. Oh no, he made me put my hand up. What am I responding to? But here's the thing what does a river do? Just in the physical, it flows. What happens on the banks of a river? It gives life. You see, uh, our fine city here is built on a river. Because we need that river and that water flowing. Well, what does a river do? It brings life everywhere that it goes. So this Holy Spirit on the inside of you isn't flowing through your life to make you feel guilty about all the stuff you did in the past or make you feel condemned or make you feel far from God. It's actually to bring life and life to the fullest that includes healing and provision and grace and forgiveness and restored relationships, and the list goes on and on. Now, if you study this, actually, in the original Greek, the picture is not of like a tiny little stri- trickling stream. It's, it's the word, wording is a deluge. We don't even use that word. But that's that picture of uh, just water that just hits. And, man, it moves everything. Everything rises. Everything is pushed ahead. There's so much that even if you try and hold it back, you're the one that just gets wiped out and washed over. It's life to that level. Overflowing every area, breaking off every lid and every cap every limitation that you might put even on your own life. It's the kind of life where you go, no, it's, it's fine. I'm, I'm okay with this illness and sickness in my world. I'll learn to deal with it. And then this river comes and it goes, no, even you've put a cap on this, but boom, healing comes. You, you can't stop a deluge. You can't stop it. That's the kind of river that we're talking about. So the question, again, is just if you're thirsty. Here's the best part. If you're thirsty, you don't have to wait until I'm done preaching. You can actually just say, God, please, I'm dry. Come and fill me again. You can ask that right now. You can ask that tomorrow or on Thursday. And here's every one of those prayers. This tap, this fountain is always running. Now, the only requirement is that we come and that we believe. It's a little bit of a different line. Anyone who believes. There's a guy, one of Jesus' disciples named Thomas, who prayed a prayer, and he said, help me in my unbelief. I don't know what I'm doing. There's people who said, man, I don't have much faith And Jesus said, hey, if you got a mustard seed, a tiny amount, that's enough. So even if you're here and you're like, I've been disappointed so many times before, I just want to challenge you to go, but God, you're good. We just sang about it and believe one more time and just say, God, please, I need that river. I believe in who Jesus is. I believe he is who he says he was. I believe that he died and rose again, and all of a sudden faith unlocks and unleashes in your life. Also, I just wrote this. Maybe this will help someone. But don't try and medicate and numb the pain of an area in your life that God actually wants to heal. We can can live going, well, it's not that bad. Well, is it bad or isn't it? Would you like to be healed or would you like to just tolerate whatever this might be for you? So don't try and, and medicate your life so much that you don't feel things anymore. Feel them because that could be an area that God wants to heal. Last thing is this. Jesus said rivers of living water will flow from his heart. Now, don't, please don't miss this. We're in an identity series, and if you notice, I mentioned it at the start, but I don't really talk about that at all. Here's the part look at the word selection. What does he say? It's a river of living water. River. He doesn't say puddle, he doesn't say pond, or slough, or dugout, or lake. And he definitely doesn't say swamp. All of those things are stationary. They stay within their bounds. But he uses this word river for a reason. A river isn't stationary. It doesn't rest. It's always flowing outward and away from the source. Always flowing outward and away. So when he puts a river of living water inside of you, it's not something that you want to dam up and go, oh, no, there might not be enough to go around. I need to hoard all of this for myself. When you begin to stop the flow of a river, you end up with stagnant pools. So if you want a steady flow of the Holy Spirit in your life and through your life, don't limit it just to you. Don't get so small-minded that you just go, well, these are just my needs, and this is what's most important. Realize that this river that he wants to put on the inside of you is for your coworker tomorrow morning who had a brutal weekend, doesn't know what to do. It's for your friends. It's for your family. It's for your kids. It's for your parents where you can come into a situation where all the ground is parched and dry and you can unleash a river of living water into every one of those environments. Jesus never went somewhere and the area got worse. When he came into a room, everything lifted. Life sprang up. This is how we reflect Jesus in our own lives. You could preach whole series just on this. Everything from your attitude to your words, all of these things matter. But most important, it's that you're connected to a river. Because if we're trying to be the source, if we're trying to meet the needs of everyone around us, my goodness, you're going to be worn out in no time. I can't do it. Maybe, Pastor Bill, Listen, even Jesus got 12 guys around him to help him. So we need the Holy Spirit moving and active in our lives. You aren't the source. You don't need to be. Just be a spring that the Holy Spirit can flow out of. Victoria, would you just come to the keys? So here's the question for us then this morning. Is anyone here thirsty. Is there anyone here that has that discontent, that need, that something that's missing? Because you didn't come here for no reason. You didn't come here by chance this morning. You came here because there's an opportunity to have an encounter with God. So listen, if you're here and you're just like, I need I need a touch. I need that living water. Why don't you just wave at me quick? Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So in a moment, we're just going to give you an opportunity to respond. And I want to pray for you. And I want to pray for that deluge of the Holy Spirit to flood into your life. It might be something that's a big thing for you. It might be a small thing. But here's the other thing that I want to encourage you on for this week even coming up. You might respond this morning. Amazing. But this week, would you you just carve out an extra moment to pray, to be in God's presence, Would you carve out an extra moment? Maybe you've never read your Bible ever. Maybe it's been weeks. But carve out a space to draw close to this fountain. Jesus just said, hey, if you're thirsty, come. So we know we could drink four liters of water one day. But we need a steady flow into our lives. So that's coming up this week. And my hope and my prayer coming into this Sunday has simply been that we'll just take one more step, one more step closer in following Jesus. My prayer is that every day you'd be taking time to drink deep of the water that God has for you. The best part is it's free refills and we can come to the fountain regularly and we can come to the fountain often. And there's no cap on it. The cap is the level of how thirsty you are for the things of God.